0: Thank you. Ooh. Ooh, I better go ahead and preach. I'm writing novels and everything. I better go to my day job. <laughs> Get your Bible to go to the Gospel of Saint Mark. The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter number six. Beginning at verse number 32. The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter number six, verse number thirty-two. When you have it, say, Amen. Amen. By the way, I want to mention to you, to those of you that are in business, I've started a business website that you can log on to anytime you want. We update it every week with new information and materials about business and faith. How how people of faith need more business principles and people in business need more faith. Amen. Amen. It's tdjakes.com. It's easy to remember, and it's free, and all you got to do is open it up, and there's all kinds of interesting articles from all kinds of people that will stimulate you and motivate you and help you to reach your goals in life. Amen? Amen. tdjakes.com. The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter number 6, verse 32 through 44. When you have it, would you stand on your feet for the reading of God's Word? And they departed into a desert place by ship privately, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and out went them, and came together unto him and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things and when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, "This is a desert place somebody say desert place place. and now the time is far past see they started out in the city but now they're in a desert place he says send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat he answered and said unto them give ye them to eat and they said unto him shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat and he saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. You have to have King James Bible to say fishes. <laughs> Don't ever go anywhere and say fishes, other than when you read the KJV. They will think you are retarded. <laughs> and he commanded them. To make all sit down by companies upon the green grass, and they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, mm-hmm, yeah, he looked up to heaven and blessed, and broke the loaves and gave to them his disciples to set before them, and the two fishes divided he among them all, and they did all eat and were filled, and they took up twelve. Baskets full of the fragments of the (laughs) And they did all eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men Remain standing, I'm going to pray with you I want to talk to you about miracles along the way Miracles along the way Let's pray Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you have afforded me To preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ The flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. And I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that you would stir up the word down inside of us and cause us to receive that sustenance that we need for the development of our inner man. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty and righteous name we pray. Somebody who loves him, say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I flew from Dallas, Texas, to Denver, Colorado, (laughs) amen, and I flew here in less than an hour and a half. It didn't take long at all, once we were airborne, for us to be landing in Denver, Colorado. In my adult life, I have learned to appreciate flying, and for some reason, I can't Drive over four hours without falling asleep now. Uh, I like to say it's age, but it's really not age because when my father wasn't my age, he drove everywhere. And my brother, my sister, and I were in the back seat of the car traveling with dad and mom in the front seat traveling all over the country, uh, eating things that my children wouldn't understand were consumable. <laughs> you know, things like uh, Sugar sandwiches, and... uh, If you tried to give a child a sugar sandwich today, they would rise up and protest and kill you. (laughs) Mayonnaise sandwiches. Tomato sandwiches. Cheese sandwiches. I mean, that thick, deep, (laughs) orangish-yellow cheese, the the kind of cheese that when you put it in the oven, it didn't move, it didn't melt. The bread would catch on fire and the cheese would. (laughs) That macaroni and cheese, that cheese would be standing there singing, I shall not be moved. (laughs) I think some of it is probably still down in me somewhere, still living. And my mom and dad were excited about the destination because we were going to see their parents, which were my grandparents, and don't get me wrong, I love my grandparents and and I love to see them too. But the real joy of the trip in those days was not the destination, but the things you see along the way. And in this hustle-bustle age that we live in today, admittedly, we can get anywhere much quicker than our parents could, but we lose the beauty and the opulence of of the things you see along the way. We lose the sense of family and connectivity that we experienced as children. There are some advantages to having not enough. It draws you together, it makes you connected, it makes you appreciate things that are free. It makes you thankful for each other, Laughter and driving down the road, we didn't have CDs and didn't even have 8-tracks, so we sang in the car and entertained. I I know I'm old and sound foggy and everything, but it was all the joy of the things that we experienced along the way. We have a God who is a God of the -the along-the-way stage of life, we pray for the destination But we must understand that there are the things that we learn about him along the way that are the most meaningful we pray lord hurry up and get me to where you showed me you had predestined for me to go but the lord will take you the long way around and take you the scenic route and allow you to learn things like patience and temperance and calmness and to learn how to pray for yourself and how to endure hardness as a good soldier. And when you do finally arrive at a destination like like heaven. As wonderful as it will be to walk the streets of gold and step beyond the pearly gates and see the apostles and the saints of the ages and discuss the hidden mysteries and and the veiled dimensions of wisdom that we now see through a glass darkly. Isn't it amazing that face to face in heaven, surrounded by all the apostles, we will talk about the things we learned along the way. So maybe much of what we pray for in life as we grapple with the destination, maybe it's not so important about the destination. Maybe it's the things that we learn along the way. Maybe it's like Jacob with Rachel on his way to Ephratah, And the Bible says that when they were almost there, she lurched in labor and died in the back of a wagon and produced a son that she called Benoni, that he would hobble off to the back of the wagon and look at the baby and rename him Benjamin and out of Benjamin would come most of the kings of Israel because it wasn't so much about getting to Ephrata it was about the things that happened along the way. Moses began to tell the children of Israel about the promised land and they set out for a land that they had never seen before and Moses said follow me and I will get you there to a land that flows with milk and honey the grapes are big as stones and there we'll have our own houses and we will not be bound by slave masters and we won't have to make bricks anymore. Little did Moses know that it wasn't so important that he made it to the Promised Land. It was important that he would learn about God as he traveled along the way. We have a God who is a processual God. He will go with you as you process toward your destination. He is a God of purpose, but he is a God of process. And while you walk with him, he has a way of revealing himself to you in unbelievable ways as you travel with him along the way. Now what of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus who were talking about the current events of the time? and what they had read in the Jerusalem beacon that day. And as they talked and gossiped about the headlines in the press, they noticed that a stranger drew near, and they began to talk to the stranger about the latest happenings of this Jesus of Nazareth. And as they walked down a seven-mile stretch toward their destination, the Bible said that the stranger began to tell them and reveal Christ the Lord through all the Old Testament scriptures. And when they came near their house, the Bible said he made as if he would go further. But they beckoned him to come in and break bread with him. And as they sat down at the table with him, they saw him in the order of the breaking of the bread. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us? along the way i would say to you my brothers and sisters it is not the place that you hope to arrive to that is important it is not the thing that you've been praying about that is important it is not the breakthrough that you're waiting on that is important the thing that is the most important to god are the things that happen to you while you're waiting along the way Isaiah said they that wait upon the Lord Shall renew their strength They shall mount up on wings like eagles They shall run and not be weary They shall walk and not faint He celebrates the waiting place Not the destination But the things that you learn about God while you wait Will make you mount up on the eagles' wings It'll make you run and not be weary It will make you walk and not faint When you look back over your shoulder And you see where he brought you from You have the courage to say the same God that brought me through yesterday Will take me through today and forevermore And when you get to where you're going It won't be where you're going that's so important When you finally get there, all you'll want to talk about Are the things you learned about him along the way Two old folks sit in a nursing home, sit in rocking chairs with their teeth in a glass cup, giggling to themselves through their gums, talking about the things that they learned along the way. I wouldn't take anything for experience because experience teaches patience and patience hope, and hope maketh itself not ashamed. There's something about experience, not age now, because some people get old, but they don't get any wiser. Uh, you, you, You can get older and not get wiser, but when you've had an experience with God, it will mesmerize you and change your life to have an opportunity to walk with him and talk with him. Some of the things he teaches you are so personal that they're not lawful to be uttered, but you contemplate them in your own mind. And some of us that you call emotional are not really emotional, we're experiential. We are shouting not because we're emotional, we're excited about the things we're we learned about him along the way. We don't throw our hands up because we're emotional. But it's just that every now and then I think of something I learned about him along the way. And when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. I thank God for saving me. The Bible said that when Jesus saw the multitude, they looked as if they were sheep having no shepherd, and they followed Jesus out of the city, out into a dry and desert place. Jesus was the kind of leader. He wasn't just a preacher. He was a leader. I have learned that there is a difference between a preacher and a leader. Some people who are great leaders may not be great preachers, and not everybody that is a great preacher is a great leader. But look at your Lord and my King He was both a preeminent preacher and articulate orator And yet he was the kind of leader That when he spoke People would follow him Even if he went into a desert place Now anybody will follow you When you go into a better place But you have to be a great leader To have somebody who will follow you Into a desert place I know all the big time preachers, we all think we're so suchy much, but let me tell you something. Jesus was able to lead thousands of people without a PA system, without a microphone, without a business card, without a flyer, without a tape ministry, without a television broadcast, without a radio broadcast, but when he opened his mouth, he spoke with such power that people from different cultures and different religious backgrounds would Follow him, not just the righteous people. That's what got on their nerves about Jesus. Uh, Jesus had a mixed multitude. Uh, amidst Pharisees and Sadducees, he had harlots and tramps uh, and pimps uh, and wine bibbers uh, and whoremongers uh, because when Jesus spoke, everybody wanted to follow him. Uh, tell somebody and say, I'm following him too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm following him too and they followed him and he did the kind of beckoning call that would end most people's ministry today in order to draw a crowd people have to promise blessings and good stuff and good times and follow me and everything's gonna go well and follow me and kool-aid's gonna come out of your water fountain but Jesus did messages like pick up your cross and follow me (laughs) forsake your mother your father your sister your brother and follow me into a desert place. Uh, somebody, clap your hands and give him a praise. <laughs> Whatever you did to my mic, take it back up out of the valley a little bit, drop the bass out. I got my own bass drum. Give me a little bit more tenor, a little bit more monitor, and I'll be okay. Clap your hands once more and give him a praise. <laughs> Amen. We're getting there. Come on, come on, clap your hands. Come on, give him a prayer. Hallelujah. Come on, stay with me. Give him a prayer. Hallelujah. Stay right there. That's it, right there. Come on, give him a prayer. And they followed him out into a dry and desert place. They left the city and the opulence and the cobblestone streets of their dwelling places. They left the camels and the donkeys and the business and the marketeers, and they followed Jesus out beyond the places where the olive trees go and beyond the places where the fig trees would grow. They followed him beyond the city streets and the cobblestone roads out into the sandy, dusty terrain of a barren place. Seemingly, they did not even notice their environment because they were so mesmerized by how he spoke let me tell you there's a whole lot of preachers in the world today but i want you to know right now whatever preaching you're gonna do do it down here because when you get to heaven none of us will have any dates in our date book when we get over there because Jesus could speak like nobody else could speak in the world who else but Jesus could you wake up out of a sleep uh, wake him up in the middle of a hurricane uh, facing a tsunami uh, wipe sleep out of his eye and preach peace be still until the winds are slain and the waves lay prostrate in the floor who else but Jesus could you bring him to a cemetery where a dead man had been entombed for four days and he say come forth and a dead man get happy and leap out of the tomb and come into the presence of the Lord. Who else but Jesus could be headed to one problem and get touched at the hem of his garment by another problem and a woman get healed while his back was turned. I'm telling you Jesus had the kind of power to turn water into wine, heal the sick and raise the dead and where he went something was going to happen if he got in your house they'd have to cut the roof off the house and lower people down into his presence people were standing all in the door and all in the window to hear him preach and Jesus was preaching in the desert have you ever followed Jesus into a desert place we like to talk about prosperous places, but tonight I want to talk about desert places. Have you ever followed him into a barren situation, a place of isolation and destitution, and you wondered in your own mind, is this God leading me, or is it the devil tricking me? Oh, I wish I had a witness. Sometimes you need discernment to figure out whether to accept it or rebuke it. All hell is breaking loose and you don't know whether it's the will of God for your life or some assassin demonic influence that has come against you to trouble you but I'm telling you it really doesn't make any difference which one it is because all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord who are the call according to his purpose even if the devil did it God's going to bless it because you are his in the morning in the evening and when the sun Hallelujah. If you're in a desert place, clap your hands and give him some praise right now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God look at the people who know what it's like to be in a desert place a financial desert an emotional desert a marital desert a spiritual desert a family desert a desert with your children have you ever had to follow god through a desert place and you said like job though he slay me yet Yet will I Yet will I trust him. Uh, uh, uh. A desert place where no water is. A desert place where no trees grow. A desert place where there is no fruit to pick off the vine, a desert place, a place of isolation and little communication, a desert place, a place of barrenness and brokenness and disparity. And they followed Jesus into a desert place. I used to think that if I was in his presence, I could have no problems. But isn't it funny that they were in the presence of the Lord, but they still had a problem. Now, I'm really going to get in trouble now. But these these new time preachers get on my nerves when they try to teach you that if you're in the presence of God, you won't have any problems at all. I want to know what turnip did you come off of? The Bible said, they that live godly shall suffer persecution. And sometimes the more you do for him, you get on the hit list of hell and the enemy's trying to terminate you because you have been effective. You're not in trouble because you're not effective. You're in trouble because you are effective. thousand men, not to mention women and children, had followed him into a desert place. And suddenly there was a problem. (laughs) A problem in his presence. Dancing in his presence and the phone rings. One phone call can take your mind from presence to problem. (laughs) One email can take your mind from presence into, oh my God, I'll be there in a minute and you've got a problem. Where are the real people in this room? have you ever had those kinds of days where you were afraid to answer the telephone have you ever had those kinds of days that you said if another person calls me with one more problem I thought if I was in his presence, I would have no problems. But why should the enemy send problems to people who are not in his presence? Why should the devil fight who he's already got? see the enemy gets scared the closer you get to jesus the more the enemy gets intimidated the closer you get to your destination the more all hell breaks loose to attack you but he that has begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of jesus christ because he's alpha and Amiga, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the author and the finisher of our faith. If God started it, he'll finish it. If God began it, he'll complete it. I am complete in him. He is (laughs) I feel something about to break loose in here. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Touch somebody and tell them, I'm gonna be all right. (laughs) Yeah, all of this is supposed to happen along the way. People will forsake you along the way. They'll lie on you along the way. They'll hurt your feelings along the way. But as long as you got King Jesus, don't worry about what they say and what they do. My style of ministry is primarily exegetical preaching, but allow me to wax a little exegetical with this text and suggest to you that behind the integrity of this text, I see a sharp depiction of the times in which we live in today. For the older disciples were wise enough to know that there was a problem, but they no longer had the bread to respond to the problem. They were adept at defining what was wrong but they had a vacuum in their ability to provide the solution to what they had found. The younger one had the solution but wasn't in the position to respond to the problem. But in his little greasy bag with his two fish fishes and five loaves of bread. He had the stuff, but he didn't know what to do with it. The disciples knew what to do with it, but they didn't have the stuff. Isn't it funny how God will make us work together generationally? God will put you in a situation where you have the goods, but you don't have the platform. Somebody else has the platform, but they don't have the goods. And God will humble you until you learn how to work with somebody that's different than you. Because ultimately, the body of Christ is interdependent and not independent. And we need each other to get the job done. To further add credence to this idea let's just meander back and remember the fact that when Samuel was in the temple he could hear God calling him but he he didn't understand what he heard Eli could no longer hear God's call but he could understand what Samuel could hear and it was only when the two generations connected that the purpose of God was accomplished as it was then so it is now and the problem with the church today is that we spend so much time fighting the little boy and the older disciple that we never feed the multitude over arguing over who is right and who is wrong but I say to you my brothers and sisters we need to stop fighting over who's got the best church and who's got the best choir who's got the best this and who's got the best that and let's get together and get the job done three people that said let's get it done yeah. you you know the story they said should we take 200 pennyworths and go into the city should we go to the world to feed the hunger we see amongst the believers. And Jesus said, they need not depart. In other words, I have so designed it that everything you will ever need is always somewhere close around you. (laughs) Either it will be in the hem of a garment or the jawbone of an ass (laughs) or a pot of oil under the cabinet, or a handful of meal in the barrel, but it's somewhere in the house. Tell your neighbor it's in the house. The thing you've been asking God for is in the house. The thing you've been praying for is somewhere close around you. Touch your neighbor, say it's in the house. You need not depart, you need not backslide, you need not go back to the world, you need not commit suicide, you need not go into depression, you need not have a nervous breakdown. Just because you're in a desert place, don't lose your cool and get frantic, you don't need to call a 900 number, you don't need to go to an astrologist, you don't need to have your palm read, but just be still and know that God is just as much God in the desert place as he was in the city place. Sooner or later, he, uh-oh, I feel like preaching now. Sooner or later, he's going to show up. And, and the Bible says that they, they said, all we have is two fish and five loaves of bread. And in other places, just a little boy's lunch. And Jesus said, bring the hither to me. Have you ever felt, as I often have, Lord, I don't have enough? I listen at preachers today who think they know how to pastor, and I think that's just because you haven't done it yet. You don't have enough. You don't know enough. You're not gifted enough. As soon as you really find out the, the extreme hunger and brokenness and desperation that exists in people, it will drive you back to God and say, Lord, I don't have enough, I don't teach enough, I don't preach enough, I don't understand enough. All I have is this two fish and these five loaves of bread, but I'm, I'm going to give it to you and ask you to stretch it. Have you ever had God stretch you, take you out of your comfort zone and stretch you? My God, I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but right now God is stretching you. You're going through some tests and some trials in your desert place, and God put you out there so he could stretch you. Is there anybody in here that's ever been stretched, put in a situation that intimidated you and you said, Lord, if you don't help me, I don't have enough. I don't have enough patience. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough friends. I don't even have enough money. Have you ever had God give you something you couldn't pay for? I wish I had a witness in here. God will give you something and you don't even have enough money to pay for it. God will give you a job and you don't even have a degree in the area that God gave you a job. God will give you a position and other people have more talent, but God puts you in the place and you say, Lord, I don't have enough. Miracles begin when you admit, Lord, I don't have Somebody throw your hands up and say, "Lord, I don't have enough." <laughs> my God, I thought I knew how to raise children till I had 5 of them. And I was doing pretty good till they turned into teenagers. About the time they turned into teenagers, I fell on my knees and said, "Lord, I don't have enough. I can pastor a church, but these kids about to kill me. I don't. Are there any real people in here? Children will teach you how to pray. You don't need anybody's tapes and books on prayer. Just have some babies. Children will teach you. They'll teach you how to pray. They'll teach you how to call on God. They'll teach you how to wait. They'll teach you how to forgive. They'll teach you how to cover a multitude of sins. That's why I can't understand you when you talk about my child uh, while you cover for yours. Uh, The same grace that covered for yours ought to cover for mine. Oh, I'm not gonna bother anybody. But there's some parents in here, the enemy's been trying to destroy your confidence and you've been saying, I don't have enough. But that means you're just right for a miracle uh, to break forth in your life. Clap your hands if you believe God for miracles in your house. Say, neighbor, Neighbor. if you don't have enough, enough. you're just right right. for a miracle. miracle. (laughs) I don't have enough. I don't have enough help. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough support. I don't have enough employees. I don't have enough members. And God's saying, good, I got you right where I need you to be. Because when you don't have enough, you'll turn it over to me. And when you turn it over to me, I'll show you how to take not enough and make it more than enough. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all ye man. Who else but Jesus could take two little fishes and five loaves of two two fish and five loaves of bread. Seven, God's number of completion. Touch yourself, say I am complete in him. I'm a complete parent. I'm a complete leader. I'm a complete man. I'm a complete woman. It may not look like it's enough, but I am complete in him. And he said something that blew my mind. He told the disciples to set them down in groups of 50 and 100. Now, you have to understand, these people are hungry. Now, I don't know how you are. I'm normally a very nice person, but when I get hungry, don't ever call a meeting with me When I'm hungry, I don't know what it is. My diplomacy diminishes. (laughs) I get irritable and grumpy. These people were about to faint. The Lord now has in his hands what it takes to release the miracle. You've got 5,000 men, not to mention women and children. And he says, sit them down in groups of 50. And so, wait a hundred. So, women. a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 18, 19, 20, 30, 40, 50. Y'all sit down. He's, what is he teaching them? Patience. Order. That we have a God who moves in decency and in order. That God does not respond to your emergency while you are hysterical, but you have to calm down and get yourself together so that you can, ex- oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying from God. I came in the house one day when, a few years, well it's been several years ago now, my wife had decided she was gonna nurse the baby. And I thought it seemed like a good idea to me. <laughs> I am not know who that. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. And uh, I came home from work and she was at the house, <clears throat> crying, not the baby mama in the room crying i said well it must be postpartum depression <laughs> she crying and the baby's crying <laughs> yeah, the babies. i walked in the room i looked at both of them i almost started crying <laughs> i said well what in the world is the matter with you well, we'd never done it before. She, was, she said, I'm trying to breastfeed this baby because we got all caught up on this being nature's way. But some th- sometimes things are natural, but just because they're natural doesn't mean they come easy. <laughs> Hallelujah. She said, the baby's hungry. I said, well, feed him she said he won't eat I said why not she said he keeps screaming I said well what are you crying about she said because my breasts are so engorged with milk that my breasts are aching I ran out the room and got a pen and started writing down because I got a sermon Because, you know, the Lord is the breasted one. And the word is the milk that we need. But when we get hysterical, we're too stirred up to eat what God has for us. And God's breast is so full of what you need that he's waiting on you to calm down so that he can release the glory and the power and the wisdom and the anointing in your life. But you gotta stop screaming if you're gonna get your miracle and just wait on it. 9 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. He may not come when you want him, but he's right. on One, Two, three, four, five, six, and they did. Slap somebody, tell them my miracle is coming. My miracle is coming. That's why I'm gonna wait on the Lord. That's why I'm gonna calm down. That's why I'm not jealous of you. Why should I be jealous of you? Because I'm next in line for a blessing. I don't know who it is, but you're next in line. stop crying God's breast is full of what you're hungry for and it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom but you got to be willing to one two three four five six 6. Twelve, four, four, five, three, six, 7 to 8 to 9 40 41 42 31 somebody say he's coming to me he's coming to me he's coming to me that's what you learn about God along the way he's coming to you every time you see your sister get blessed you ought to shout for her. Every time you see your brother get blessed, you ought to shout for him and tell the devil he's coming to me. He's coming to me. He's coming to me. I'm next in line for the blessing. He is coming to me. and then. <laughs> get off of that point i don't know who's been crying out to god but the lord said he heard your cry and if you just calm down he's coming to you he's not forgotten what you asked him for he's not forgotten what you stand in need of but if you wait on him the blessing is on its way 1 2 3 4 4 10 2 3 21 2 3 30 32 40 41 42 For 46 For 8 For 9 50 Slap somebody say it's my turn now Can you imagine what would happen in this room if the people in this room really did believe that it was your turn now? It's gotta be over 5,000 people in this room right now. If you really believe that it was your time to receive a miracle from the Lord, can you imagine what would happen in this place? Baptist folks shouting, Methodist folks shouting, Pentecostal folks shouting, black folks, white folks, brown folks shouting in the presence of the Lord because it's my time now. It's the time for the blood washed, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled folks. Oh yeah. Just make people say it's my time now. I waited a long time, but it's my time now. It's my time, I can feel it in my hands. I can feel it in my feet. I've got a confirmation in my spirit. After all I've been through, it's my time now. As I walk with him and talk with him along the way, I'm learning that God has not forgotten me. Two little fishes, five loaves of bread, and he took it. Please sit down. We're just talking. Y'all are so animated. First time I went to John Hagee's church, his daughter said, are you always so animated? I said, most in (laughs) general. I'm just an animated sort of guy. Two little fish, five loaves of bread. He took it. He blessed it. And then he broke it. And he gave it to them and told them to go eat. I think that's what he did. He took it and he blessed it. Let me see what he did. And then he broke it. And then he gave it to them. As best I can recall this way, he took it and he blessed it. And then he broke it. And then he gave it to them. You know, that's what he did on the road to Emmaus. When they sat down at the table to eat with him, the Bible said that he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. Ah, wait a minute. That's what he did at the Passover. You remember? He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them and that's what he does with you. He takes you, he blesses you, he breaks you, and then he gives you to the world. You can't preach till you've been broken. You can't teach till you've been through a storm. You can't deliver the word until you've been taken from the world, blessed and then broken and then served. I can't explain where this miracle happened. I don't know for sure whether it was in the taking or the blessing or the breaking or the giving. I think it was in the breaking. I think that God multiplies you in the breaking. I think that the more you get broken, the more you get multiplied and the more you go through tests the more he gives you increase and the more you endure hardness the more he can serve you to the world i know in my life i've been the most anointed when i was the most broken i have the greatest power when all hell is breaking loose in my life and it was good for me that i was afflicted for had i not been afflicted i would have never seen (laughs) That's where the miracle is. It's along the way. Somewhere in the taking and the blessing and the breaking, that's where the miracle is. Somewhere between the city and the desert, that's where the miracle is. Somewhere between having enough when you left and running out in the desert, that's where the miracle is. Somewhere in the breakings of life, the disappointments of children, the chaos in the home, the struggle in the finances, the people who desert you, the people who walk out and leave you. That's where the miracle is. Yeah, 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 to the devil. You thought you were gonna kill me, but God is using you to bless. And if I, if I would have just got the miracle without going along the way, I'd have never been able to handle the 12 baskets full. I would have left. But it's something that I learned along the way that made me not leave the scraps behind. Anybody else would have left the scraps and said, we don't need it. But I learned that the miracle is in the scraps. So I got me some baskets and I started gathering up what I had left because the miracle is not in the whole places. No, no, baby. The miracle is in the broken places you show me a preacher who hadn't been broken, and I show you somebody judgmental, self-righteous, and critical, and arrogant, that's why as blessed as Joseph was, he still had to be broken in the pit as smart as paul was he still had to be knocked down off his beast and broken and humbled and brought to a place of submission as vibrant and vivacious as peter was he still had to be broken and deny the lord and humble himself and be resurrected so he could preach with power on the day of pentecost and even as wonderful as you are you have to be broken somewhere along the way (laughs) And when it was all over, they had 12 baskets full left. God doesn't need anything you lost to bless you. He will always use what you have left. So stop crying over what you lost and start thanking God for what you got left because he will always use What you got left? Well, I thought, well, we're here. We're finished. We're at grandma's house. (laughs) We reached the destination. We're at the end of the story. We're out of this text. If I'm gonna keep preaching, I have to go to the next Bible story. (laughs) Because We're at the destination. But then I thought, wait a minute. I looked in the rearview mirror and I saw those folks sitting in their groups of 50. And I suddenly noticed in retrospect, did you notice that it said that they were sitting in the grass? How in the world did grass get in the desert? (laughs) Suddenly, I realized that God is so good. He didn't stop me from going through the desert, but he did give me a little grass in the dry place. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul, my cup runneth over. Surely, I better quit because I feel like preaching country stuff. Surely. Somebody holler surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I didn't even realize that God was so good that Even if the desert has no grass, he'll create a green place in your desert. Have you ever gone through a sickness and God just created a green place in the middle of your sickness? Gone through a divorce, but God created a green place. Gone through a crisis in your family, but God created a green place. And it's only when you look back through the rearview mirror that you say, Well, Lord, I was on the job working with witches. I didn't even know they were witches. But you covered me and gave me a green place. I confided in her. I thought she was my friend. Didn't even know she was my enemy. But you gave me a green place. I told my secrets to him, and he was out there trying to kill me. I didn't even know. But you gave me. A green place and suddenly I realize this, it's not the big things in the text <laughs> and it's not the big things in your life and it's not the big things in mine it's the little green places along the way that are real miracles it's not the things he did that I noticed it's the things he did that I didn't notice. Only when I look back over my shoulder and see what could have happened, what would have happened, what should have happened, that I thank him for the green places. The miracles, the miracles, the great miracles happen along the way. Now we got helicopters, we got jets, we got 747s. Everybody gets there fast. But isn't that the problem? Everything's so fast and you look up and you're old. How many of you have looked up and been shocked at how quick time went? And you say, how could I be a parent or a grandparent? I'm too young to be Pawpaw. <laughs> Little Joker came up on me the other day and called me Paw Paw. I said, the devil is a lie. When did I get to be Paw Paw? I was just, it wasn't that long ago, I had an afro and a jerry curl and bell-bottom pants and clogged shoes. Look at the miracles that happened to you along the way. And thank God for the little green places that you didn't even notice that he had done in your life. T- tonight I want to take a moment and I just want everybody in this room to look in your rear view mirror and look back over your life and think of the miracles that happened along the way. <laughs> Thank him for the doors he opened. And thank him for the doors he closed. Thank him for the folks who stood by you. And thank him for the folks who left you. Thank him for the job you got. Thank him for the job you didn't get. Thank him for the boyfriend that stayed and thanking for the one that left and thanking for where you are in life and thanking for the miracles that happened along the way. We got all this equipment and we got all these great singers and all these great praise leaders and all of these great teachings about praise and worship and it's all wonderful and it's all good. But you could praise him cleaning out your closet. With a raggedy dress on and one sock on and one sock off and some tennis shoes, if you would just look back and thank him for the miracles that happened along the way. Close your eyes a minute. Let's get personal. I'm not talking about thanking him for the things that you testify about. You've already done that. But let's take a moment and for the things that you can't even tell anybody about. That night the phone rang and the kids were in trouble and you almost, and they almost, and you coulda and he woulda and they shoulda and but God. Thank Him for the the wreck you didn't have and the one that you had but it didn't kill you. Thank Him for the soul tie you had with somebody that you shouldn't have never even had in the first place and how he delivered you from it, but you couldn't testify about it because you didn't want anybody to know that you was ever thinking it in the first place. But God. And when you look in your rearview mirror and you see the green place in the middle of your desert, You see how he protected you and how he fed you (laughs) and how he made a way out of no (laughs) way. And he blessed you even when you didn't feel like you deserved to be blessed. You didn't have enough, but he stretched it. He took your two little fish and your five loaves and he made seven. And it became enough. He completed you with his seven. And people think you're here because you had so much, but they don't know that you didn't have nothing but two fish and five loaves of bread, but he made seven. And when you can see something in your rearview mirror that looks green, lift your hands and... Open your mouth to God and to nobody else. And just thank him for the green places. Jesus said they look like a sheep having no shepherd, but not you, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. Thank you for green places. Taking care of a sick mama, but thank you for green places. Got to stop by the nursing home on Saturday, but thank you for green places. Working a job overtime, trying to make the rent, but thank you for green places. Lift those hands and open that mouth. Open that mouth up. Open that mouth up to God. I dare you, in the overflow, in the balcony, I dare you, if you're watching in your living room, if you get this video and you're just watching it on your couch, I dare you to lift your hands and open your mouth and thank you for the green places. You mean you through praising him already <laughs> that's all you got <laughs> for all he did you finished aren't you you still on the jet you need to get in the car you need to get in the car you still too fast you need to slow down and tell it take you Thank you for the waiting places. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. eight. Thank you for the waiting places.